on lead vocals, Dave Gunn. <laughs> you can't get names right in this one either, can you? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Breaking Vinyl. I'm your host, Des, a.k.a. Johnny Fever. And as always, I'm joined by my two co-hosts. First up, the podcaster, coming through in high fidelity, Evil Ed. What's up, Ed? How you doing, Des? Happy to be here. Nice. B-Side Dave is off on personal business this week, so pinch hitting in the number three position from our sister show, Hey, Did You Ever See That Movie?, the podcaster who likes to beat on the dark side. Dylan, what's up, Dylan? <laughs> Hello, everybody. <laughs> All right. Tonight, we will oh, be discussing man. the Violator album, the seventh studio album by Depeche Mode, produced by Depeche Mode, released on March 19, 1990, by Mute Records. The album peaked at the number one position on the Billboard 200. The band lineup was as follows. On lead vocals, Dave Gunn. On keyboards. <laughs> you can't get names right in this one either, can you? <laughs> <laughs> on keyboards, Alan Wilder. Also on keyboards, Andy Fletcher. Also on keyboards, Martin Lee Gore. <laughs> and he also plays a little guitar. And from what I could find, there is no live drums on this album. I... I could have swore I heard some live drums mixed in with the uh, electric drums, but as much as we digged, I could not even find a liner note for a drummer that played on this album. So I'm yeah, just going to leave it at Christian Eigner. No, I, I, that's what I had originally written in the notes, but he did not um, start working with this band until two years after this album was written. So, and recorded. Good Lord. Well, yeah, he's, they, they found a great drum effect because yeah, I, I have a couple notes in here where I'm like, Oh, what a yeah, pleasant surprise. As <laughs> as do I. So I, I don't know, Ed, as musicians, I feel like there are some live drums on this, don't you think? I Yes, okay. 100%. Okay. I don't know who played them. So okay. if you're a listener and you know who played drums on this album, please write in and I will uh, give them a shout out next week. But Yeah, I mean, I enough. dug pretty hard. I was reading liner notes and all sorts of stuff and they were naming everybody that had anything to do with this album and there's not one single mention of a drummer. So I was like, okay, <laughs> yeah. I guess no drummer. Yes. Yeah, so weird. But I, I, I definitely, my ears perked up in spots. So there were definitely um, some yeah. drums on this I, album. You know what, I've... I have a feeling it was more, hey, we're in the studio. Let me play this kick. Let me play this snare. And that's, and that is exactly like I, in my not notes. not an official I, drummer. Yeah. Cause in certain notes, I would say to myself, like in the notes, like, wow, that snare hit was pretty good. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. All right. So uh, let's do some band facts on this one. So I read the album explores the heavy themes of guilt, religion, sexual fetishes, nihilism and drugs and uh songwriter martin gore felt these issues were a realistic depiction of life um and my second one is um regarding the album's title gore said we called it violator as a joke he actually wanted to come up with the most extreme ridiculously heavy metal title that they could <laughs> and he wasn't sure that anybody actually got the joke and honestly i didn't i thought violator was cool kind of reminded me of like uh like, uh, 
Well, I guess actually it makes sense. I was going to say a Judas Priest album. You know what I mean? Kind of reminds me of a little violator. You know what I mean? Yeah. Terrible lover. So yeah, yeah, that's what I got. And what did you dig up on this album? Nice. Uh, you know what? For all the information that there was on this album, mm-hmm. I kind of got a headache digging through it, man. Yeah, me too. Um, it's it's the whole genre. I I never understood electronic music. Honestly, until I saw uh, uh, who's that? Romstein. Yes, I went to the Romstein show that was canceled for COVID and happened like two years later. So it, it was literally last summer, and that made me realize: okay, I totally get the whole German industrial music because the grooves were awesome, right? But in the middle, they they did uh, like a break in the middle. They they did an intermission, and during that. It was the most trippy thing I've ever seen. Like they had like these light up stick figures in the middle and they did all electronic music. So I kind of was like, okay, I kind of get it now. It makes sense to me. And the, the, the thing about this, for some reason, I didn't think it was 1990. It just, and, and I think it's the opening track that threw me. So I'm digging through and I'm like, God, the, I kind of expected more on the effects and the sounds. And then I'm like, oh, well, it's early 80s. And then I realized, wait, this is 90? But I'll get into why I had that feeling. And and it kind of led to me, again, with the the interesting facts, where there was so many credits and so many just small little snippets. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to chalk it up to... It's it's a whole scene. I knew a ton of people from the scene, and and now I appreciate it. Right. So I'm just leaving it at that. It it did change my opinion on a lot of things, but it is what it is. And Ed, I don't have any facts, I guess, but that it it was more just a personal revelation, I guess, with it. It's funny that you actually said that about it. Um, not sounding '90s because I thought this album sounded very complicated and uh, well-produced and a lot of like kind of cutting edge sounds and cutting edge panning techniques. And it's a very, like a vast sounding album in my headphones and very easy to listen to and very easy to pick out the like bazillion different things they jammed into each track. You know what I mean? Everything's so heavily layered. Yes. And I'll get, I get into that uh, kind of further on in some of my notes. Uh, Right. Because yeah, it was. I'll I'll get into it later. Okay, Delane, what did you, (laughs) Delane, what did you dig up on this album? So the thing about Depeche Mode is that they were, you know, huge in the UK, huge in Europe, but they did not really hit in the US until like right before this album came out. They sold a bunch of tickets to a Rose Bowl show, um, and then when they came back with Violator, um, like there was like a signing at a record store in LA and there was like a riot of like 20,000 people. Really? So, yeah. Wow. Like it was a big deal. So, um, you know, this album really kind of broke them here. They really weren't what they became at that hmm. time. Like people didn't really know who they were. They were kind of an indie UK band, you know, before then. Right. Um, I also think, um, what the songs represent the, uh, the themes. Yeah. The, it's really important to, to state that, you know, there's a lot of like love themes here, but also like betrayal themes, some religion themes. Like it's interesting. They're kind of like 
winding them through songs that can almost be looked at as love songs until you really listen to the words. And then you're like, oh, wait a second. That's not about love. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, that's a great point, Dylan, because I'm not, when I listen to music, um, the last thing I pay attention to is actually the vocals for some reason. I just... Um, yeah, see, and that's the notes. first thing I listen to because I'm me a writer. Too. So me, I me come too. from yes. lyrics first and then everything yeah. else. And a lyricist. Yeah, yeah, melody, exact music, how the, the chords fit with each other. But going through, listening to this, it, the band is totally about the lyrics, this band, in my opinion. It's all about the messaging. And I think they do a great job with the messaging. Uh, as we'll learn, it's the music that I have a problem with. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Okay, Shit. and I got one more thing to say. You did not mention that Flood was uh, a producer, and it's important to mention him. He was very involved in this album, and he's a huge producer. Like, um, it can't be understated how much he did for this album. You have to understand that this is their seventh studio album. Um, he had worked with them before back in 85, and it was for Shake the Disease, which, you know, was a decent album, but... Um, when they did Violator, this is a very different band than they were in 85. And, um, you know, he was in the middle of all of these bands at this time. Like he was working with Nine Inch Nails on Pretty Hate Machine. He continued mm. to work with them over the years. He worked with U2. He worked with the Smashing Pumpkins, Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. And he's still working today. He worked with 30 Seconds to Mars, New Order, Goldfrap, oh, Interpol. Really? Yeah, he's a wow. big deal. So, um, you know, it can't be understated what he brought to the table with this. You know, like, I really feel like he pushed it into a place where you get all of these really great songs. Ed, welcome to yes. the Lynn's Record Podcast. I love it. I <laughs> love great. it. And, <laughs> I love it. And, and the great thing is what you mentioned Flood, uh, and that kind of made me remember something. And I thought it, and it, this is an interesting fact. Um, what I was reading is that this is the first album that they actually only made rough demo tracks yes. and actually had more input as a group, which I find amazing that groups are so dependent sometimes on individuals mm-hmm. to kind of carry the load. Because yeah, initially Martin Gore was literally just bringing right. in a finished song and they would just, you know, record what yeah. he'd already done. And this time right. he was just bringing in roughs and saying, okay, what do you think? And, and people and, actually played off each other. And apparently by doing that, I guess one of the big three, cause that's what I'm going to be calling them the big three. Cause there's three on this album that are like the monsters. I guess one of them was going to be like more of a ballad. And uh, yes, yeah. after yes. listening to the demos, they said, we need to punch this up, which thank God they did. <laughs> um, okay. So let's get into some opening thoughts. I'll start off real simple this week. Uh, in 1990, I was into hair metal for the most part. So aside from the big three hits, I was fairly unfamiliar with this album and this band. I mean, I knew what everybody else knew. I had seen it on MTV and heard the big three, but coming into this, I had never listened to this album uh, cover to cover. Um, so yeah, it's fairly new coming into this. Dylan, I know that you were like the uh, goth princess in 1990. <laughs> oh, stop it! <laughs> all painted, all wrapped in patent leather and painted no. in black okay, eyeliner. Relax. So. First of all, in 1990, I was still in high school. I didn't graduate till 92. So I was still into hair metal. I was not doing this thing in 1990 when this actually came out. I didn't actually discover this album until later. <laughs> Okay. So <laughs> just settle down, kid. Okay. <laughs> Delyn shrink wrapped in 1990. She was shrink wrapped in like she was shrink wrapped in like 94, maybe. Yeah, probably 94. <laughs> okay, keep going. 
Um, so I didn't really dig into the album until it had been out for a few years. Like I'm thinking probably more like 94, 95. That's around the time that um, I was hanging out at Man Ray, which is a famous Boston goth club that closed down for a bunch of years, but it's now reopened if anybody wants to go. Uh, this was an album that everybody in this scene either owned or had listened to, knew back to front. It's just one of those albums. Like everyone just knew it. Um, it's funny because this is called Violator and their sixth album had been called Music for the Masses. And the funny thing is, is I feel like the name should be flipped because this is Music for the Masses. This is the one that broke them. It's full of hits. Like, you know, it, this was really the actual Music for the Masses, but that's okay. Um, and also uh, Music for the Masses had Never Let Me Down Again on it, which was featured recently in The Last of Us show on Netflix. And it caused a resurgence of interest in Depeche Mode. And But that's really the shining moment on that album. So I just wanted to bring that up because it's timely. It just was on that show like a couple weeks ago. Awesome. Nice. Uh, Ed, coming into this podcast, had you ever listened to the Violator album cover to cover? I suspect you're going to say no. That would be correct. Uh, <laughs> although, although, so 1990, uh, this is the year I graduated. Were you um, wrapped in uh, patent leather? I definitely was not. Okay. Oh boy. However, uh, my high school years, I was I was into all sorts of music in all sorts of groups. Um, you know, whether it was rap or rock or metal or you know or alternative uh, electronic, I I was in you know, jazz band, show choir. I did, you know, th music theater. I was in a rock band at the time, you know, Desi remembers. <laughs> would you like, would you like to give a shout out to uh, impact and the oh, fellow sure. players? Sure. <laughs> sure. The fellow players, uh, little Richie LeBlanc and John Trotman and Scott yeah. Trotman and Matty O'Brien. Yes. Um, uh, great, great band. I, I enjoyed you a guys. Lot of fun. It was yeah. a lot of fun. Um, very, very but, Bon Jovi for anybody who's watching. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. But uh, I had friends who were very much into this album, and I just, I didn't get it at the time. Uh, I get it now, but I don't have the same impression as they did. Um, and honestly, I think my impression grew the more I heard it. And the reason being is, the first time I listened to it, <laughs> I think I was making dinner, and I heard it on, I, I asked, I said, turn Alexa on, and had her play it through the little mini Alexa. Yeah. with crappy speakers and i'm like oh my god this is just sounds terrible right then the next time i listened to it it was on a nice gbl portable uh you know bluetooth speaker that i got that sounds amazing and i was like oh okay this is pretty cool and then i listened started listening to it on headphones and i went oh yeah now it makes sense <laughs> because it really just takes all the little tones and 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 affects and just really explodes and, and it made me appreciate it so much more hearing on headphones. So yeah. if you are listening to this album for the first time, listen to it on headphones. Yes. I would have, <laughs> if I was Depeche Mode, I literally would have put it on the cover of the album. Like yes. a, uh, like must be listened to with headphones. Cause without it, you are missing the charm of this album. It's, yes. it's not the same. You also right. have to realize that in the years since this album came out, it's been digitized and it's been remastered yes. and it yeah. sounds amazing now because we were listening to it on a cassette. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> With the little um, orange foam covered crap. Yes, speakers. it was a cassette when it first came out. And I think the first time I listened to it, it was actually a CD by then, but I don't think they had digitally remastered it. Like it's now been digitally remastered to go through these, you know, speakers that we all own that are amazing and have great sound and carry all those tones. But back in the day, we were hearing it just on a cassette. So I want to ask, so I could not find the original version of this album. So I did actually listen to the remastered version. Ed, what did you listen to? Same thing. Yeah, I don't it had think all it's available. Tracks on it and everything. Yeah, we like, unless you CD. own it. We yeah, I think I've got the CD somewhere. But yeah, you know, I think unless you own it, you, the only thing you can get by listening online is the remastered. Because why would you want to listen to the crappy version? Well, I, know? I, true, I would. True. I would want to hear it. Like if I was a if I was the Depeche Mode like purist, I'd want the yeah. vinyl. Like, can you get the original vinyl so I can hear it on I'm my shitty? But our purist probably has it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So. That'd be cool. All right. Uh, yeah. Um, what is it? Um, High Fidelity with John Cusack. Great movie. <laughs> really, I like underlines the purest, like, you know, yeah. vinyl. Oh, yeah. 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 So as a breaking vinyl, I would like to just say, go check out uh, High Fidelity with John Cusack and you'll understand what vinyl yeah. is all about. It's funny because I actually started collecting vinyl again. Oh, really? Probably about seven, eight years ago. And I was all excited because I found a... Uh, I found an original press of Stevie Wonder's song in the key of life and I was in heaven, but I couldn't afford it. So, (laughs) you know, you know, Stevie Wonder could have fronted Jane's addiction. He could have. In my mind. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, I think it would have been a good funk mix, man. And I will never, ever let that pick go. That was amazing. Um, All right. (laughs) So let's let's get into this. Let's get into this track breakdown. So the first uh, song in the album is World in My Eyes, and I'll take it right off the bat. So this song is produced like incredibly clean. Everything is panned out masterfully. And again, like we were saying, that is the absolute charm of this album is how vast it sounds from left to right and front to back. It's in your headphones. It's really amazing. Um, I love the guitar phase on this. And there were some clever little guitar um, guitar licks on this album, which is funny because they're used so sparingly that when they pop up, you really notice them. I, I think there's some slide guitar on this, but it's hard to tell because everything is affected so heavily. Um, and that's not a knock on it if it is a slide guitar because the fact that I had trouble picking it out as a guitar and was just kind of assuming it was is kind of cool. Um and then again, a theme that's going to come up over and over on this for me as a vocalist and a uh, lyricist. One, the lyrics, which I just loved. And two, the way he layers the background vocals and the execution of these background vocals on his lead vocal is fucking beyond butter on this album. I mean, the background vocals are fucking beautiful and perfectly executed and perfectly mixed into this album. Um, and I swear at times, maybe I heard a female background vocal, but I'm not sure. I don't think so. I think it's probably Martin because Martin has a tenor voice, okay. whereas Dave Gahan is baritone. So if you're hearing a, a higher voice, it's probably Martin. Okay. And I, I did like the words on. So so you get the big three on this. And aside from that, we're not going to get a lot of choruses, which I'll get into later. But I did, even though the chorus on the song was kind of missing the mark um, with a melody that that would make me want to hear it over and over and would make this song a hit, which it wasn't. 
Um, I did love the words, let me show you the world in my eyes. I thought those were very good lyrics. So yeah, that's kind of my thought on the first um the first track. I thought it was pretty strong. It was fine for an opening track. Um, they did have the big three. Uh, I'll get into it later. I kind of wish they had started with one of the big three, slotted a big three into the middle, and ended it with a big three. It would have made this album stronger in my eyes, but that's just my opinion. Uh, Delenn, what did you think of World in My Eyes? So um, according to Martin Gore, this song is about love and sex and how it's all a positive thing, you know? Um, and reading the lyrics, I can see what he's saying, though I never had really understood that till now. To me, it was more about seeing things from a different perspective, how you can gain different insights and new thoughts when you look at things from somebody else's eyes. Um, so that's how I see this song. And like, it's very interesting that you said that Kahan's vocals are butter because I wrote buttery smooth vocals. So, so buttery. Yeah. It's just that baritone is super smooth. If it, and the song here, it has a really lush feeling. Um, it feels very full. Um, yeah. There is a video for this song. It's just essentially grainy shots of them playing live. And I kind of going to be honest with you. I'm not sure if I ever saw it before finding it on YouTube, but it says it's an original uh an official original video. So I'm assuming it was out at some point. It just was one of those ones that didn't get a lot of play. Right. Yeah. I mean, we all know the one, the one yeah. big video, you know, the, yes. the Western done in like a, uh, in wrapped in plastic, a Western wrapped in plastic. <laughs> and what'd you think of our uh, world in my eyes? Uh, I didn't think it was a great opener for the album. Yeah, I didn't uh, either. I, wa- I wasn't a huge fan of the song. I, I totally dug the left right panning on it has mm. lots of background effects that just really interested me made it 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 made me want to listen to the song just to hear it but once once i kind of got through it i was like all right and and i think my biggest issue is i felt like the song didn't go anywhere musically yeah. um it kind of just came out and then it slightly builds in the chorus but it like you just it's like that uh it's like you're going over an overpass and you're waiting for Everest. Right. And then you just go right down on the other side yeah. of the highway. And you're right. like, oh, well, that was so anticlimactic. It's you one know? of those kitty rides that just goes. Exactly. Exactly. And it just, it didn't do it for me. However, with that said, it it's, I think the steadiness of it in the tempo and the flow, it's very hypnotic. Yeah, because it's kind of just the same thing over and over again with different effects to add changes instead of, you know, here's the typical chorus, pre-chorus, chorus bridge, you know, things like that. It just it was the same thing over and over. But and that's a great uh, observation, how they would try to change the um, they would try and change the different parts with effects instead of like, you know, chord changes and melody changes and uh, right. changes in the um, dynamics of the song. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, cool. But well, like you said, you know, very interesting. I mean, it draws you in for for one listen through. I was engaged. I don't know if yeah. I would go back to it, but yeah, yeah. definitely not. It's been, I, and like it, it was all about the headphones because hearing it on the Alexa the first time, that's where I got the what year was this recorded? And it sounds like, you know, uh, war games special effects. You know, yeah. with Matthew Broderick to yeah. reference your movie stuff. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, Ed, it would be like watching Jaws 3D without the 3D. It'd be like, well, 3D, this <laughs> might be good, but <laughs> I'm not really liking this movie. Uh, Dylan, oh. What did you think of uh, track two, Sweet Perfection? All right. So 
Um, oh, I'm sorry, sweetest perfection. Sweetest perfection, yes. Um, so this is one of those ones where we were talking about the drums because it sounds yes. like a brush on the drum, and I'm having mm. a hard time believing they got that with a synthesizer. It sounds super dynamic. You can almost hear that brush like rubbing across the top of the drum. It's very strange, but mm -hmm. it creates a, a different feel than we had with the previous song. Um, this, to me, is another song about love. You're finding perfection in somebody that you love so much that you even love their flaws. And, um, you know, it's a sweet song. It's it's not a banger. It's not, you know, crashing through the gates. It's a love song, you know? Yeah, 100%. Uh, I love what you said about the the um, brushes on the snare, uh, especially from, you know, someone that's not a musician. Like, nice observation, because I also made that observation. I said, wow, it sounds like he's playing the snare with a, you know, with a brush. So, Ed, what did you think of uh, Sweetest Perfection? Yeah, I... Right out of the gate, it sets a totally very dark tone. And I was like, oh, wow, this is kind of heavy and, and deep and, and, you know, kind of spooky. Yeah. Uh, but again, first thing I noticed, I'm like, wow, listen to the snare drum. It's like it's a constant paradiddle all the way through. And, and yeah. I may have, have it wrong, but I'm, I'm playing a paradiddle. And I'm like, oh, left, right, left, 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 right. And I'm like, oh, geez, it kind of fits. And, and I'm yeah. like, and I like it because it's a completely different thing. And I think the integration of, for lack of a better term, real instruments, because yes, keyboards are absolutely a real instrument, but it's not an effect. Are you know, they? It's... <laughs> Stop. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. That's a joke. I know, I know. I mean, unless you uh, just listen to a whole album that was just somebody singing and there was right, not, yeah, no yeah, other music, yeah. of course there's yeah. real instruments. Yeah. And, I can't, and I can't say acoustic instruments because, you know, there's electric guitar. Right. Um, but I really, I, I dug the acoustic drums that were in it. Uh, cause I, I, it's totally a real drum. And if it's not, then kudos to that sound. Cause yeah. I thought it sounded great, especially where it comes out of the, uh, uh, you got the string part in the middle, which is a nice change of pace. And then when it comes out, it has that big, deep kick in a snare into like a, yeah. a real slow four, four time. I'm like, Oh my God, that's, it's nice. Cause all of a sudden it went from the first songs kind of flat. You know, doesn't really go anywhere. And then this song adds some dynamic to it, changes that are very obvious and, and enjoyable. I really, I, I like that. Yeah. Um, and then when he came out after that, and he does a doubling of his voice with a lower, even lower octave. Oh. I was like, right. oh, there so it good. is, money shot right there. Yeah. Um, so good. You know, but it, it was. I like this track. I really like this track. Yeah, I did too. Ed, good, good observation again for both you guys with uh the addition of a little acoustic drumming uh mixed in with these electronic drums subtly again i hate i hate to beat a dead horse but this is really what purple rain was missing just <laughs> yes i agree purple rain <laughs> oh yo we listened to uh let's go crazy on the way down to rhode island yesterday and i'm like delin just listen to this drum beat 100 percent different. Yeah. Drone on. <laughs> okay, so yeah, done really well. Um, this song again, and this is you know, it's a theme that I just keep going back to. It was fun to listen to due to the incredible production and the sweeping and panning. It was, and in this one, it was so aggressive in a couple of parts, right? So it opens up with this really aggressive panning, uh, in a good way, which I really enjoyed because without this panning and you know, peeking my ears up and making me kind of search for these different instruments where they're coming in in my headphones, it would have been a little boring. 
Um, it's so funny because I know nothing about panning. I know nothing about drums or anything. And it's like, I'm like, I'm like a little lost. I'm like, I like the words. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to, I'm going to edit that out. Cause you don't sound lost. Um, <laughs> but when they would, um, when they would uh, go to standard, just and Ed, you know what I mean? They'll, so in this song, they'll go to just a standard left, right panning where it's just like nothing sweeping, nothing's moving. Right. It's just kind of set solid left and right the way you maybe see the band on the stage. And yep. it really is such a huge contrast in this song that when they do it, it feels like this section of music is so solid because yes. it goes from being like wishy-washy and moving around to like, whoa, I'm grounded right down the middle now. And yep. uh, I thought that was really, really clever production. Um, but the song is missing a big hook. There's no chorus. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a problem. I mean, it just, it just is. But like you had said, this row, row your boat um, core, uh, this row, row your boat um, vocal at the end where he's singing one part and then the background vocal is singing another part on top of it. Really effective. I really liked it a lot. And he does this a few times on the album. Mm -hmm. But in this song in particular, it's just, it's fucking money and it's done to perfection. Yeah, so. it was a real big part of the end of the song and it I think it really pulled it all together. Yeah, yeah. I just wish that this song, if this song had had a stronger chorus, yes. it would have been a, it would have been a winner. 100%. Totally agree. Yep. Um, okay, so we are about to get into one of the big three and I'm not talking about Paul Pierce. <laughs> this one... <laughs> I'll be here all week. Okay. Uh, Ed, what did you think of Personal Jesus? I mean, it it was a huge hit. It's huge. it's one of the songs that, you know, when people hear Depeche Mode, they think of. Um, you know, although funny listening to it, this is the first time I listened to it that it wasn't the music video. Mm -hmm. And the two little opening harmonics, I was like, oh my God, that's so cool. I really, it just, it, it kind of, changed how i was went into the song um but right out of the gate what's the difference down, yeah. down, down. it's a guitar riff and you're just like oh there it is that's a groove it's got a great let me ask you yeah. a question as a bass player how bad are you missing a bass on this track like it would the... it, i get to it too and and it's funny because uh this is probably, I think there's so many deep keyboards. It's, it fills the low end. The problem is it misses the deep groove that a bass Yes. Has. Like, can you imagine? <laughs> boo, 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 boo. Look, like that's the thing. Instead of the guitar doing that. Yeah. If the bass did that. Oh, oh, oh with a little God. accent guitar over it. Oh. It would be like porn. But, I mean, but would, it's... It, but would it be Depeche Mode? You never know. Yeah, I, think I guess. could. You know, yeah. because it, it is, it, it, they're super keyboard heavy and they have a lot of low undertones. So, yeah. but uh, it was such a great change of pace, this song. Um, oh, so you good. know, if this was an opening to the album, it may have changed how I heard the other songs. I don't know for good, for bad, but it definitely would have changed the way it went into the album. Yeah. Um, and the electronic bass line is cool. I think the song translate would translate well into a good rock song. Yes. Um, like yeah. after after really hearing it and, and, and analyzing it and thinking about it, you know, it, it's one of those 
if this came out in 1980, I'd do it in an 80s cover band that I'm in. Did you, right. uh, did you, have you heard Marilyn Manson's cover of it? Because he basically took it and turned it into a rock song. Oh, I'll have to listen hmm. to it because, yeah, yeah I think, uh, well. it, I hope it's what I imagine it in my head. And I think Johnny Cash like also did it and he did it in a very stripped down <laughs> country way. So that would be cool. I liked all those Johnny Cash covers he did. The, yes. the Nine Inch Nails, oh, all of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. His cover oh. hurt. It, it like literally Trent Reznor was like, that's his song now. It's not mine anymore. Yeah. I was yeah, like, Whoa. honestly. <laughs> it's so good. It's so yeah. good. Yeah. And I I for me, a problem with this album is the um the lack of bass. I think they yes. probably like with the snare, there might be a couple of bass lines on this album. I'm not hundred percent sure. But you know, some of these songs, specifically this one, lends itself to a really great great bass line that yep. would have and like you said the electronic you know bass notes that he's playing on the keyboards are fine and they totally work and i mean he's pulling it off a thousand percent but um it yeah, makes it same. it makes it feel a little stiff where it could mm -hmm. have felt very very rolly and just mm, and it also kind of hand tied the guitar player to yes. sitting down on that riff where he could have broke away a little bit and played off the bass but yeah um and i also agree this song needed to be the opening song on the album it just absolutely did but whatever you know creative uh yeah art no, absolutely. is what it is um but yeah i fucking love this song uh the guitar is so clean and cool on this track yeah. i wish that he had played more guitar on this album because every time he touches the guitar it's fucking magic it really totally, is totally um, and this is the one, I wasn't sure if that was a slide guitar or not. Um, I think it is that, that thing he's doing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I think it's a slide, but there's so much effect on it. I really can't tell. It could be the keyboard using the little whammy bar, but yep. I think it's a slide. <clears throat> and uh, this is how you successfully use electronic drums. Um, mm -hmm. I don't think I heard any acoustic drums on this track and I didn't miss them at all the drums are fucking great they're super elaborate they're super interesting yeah um i love the vocals and the lyrics on this one i mean it's fucking money and again the panning on this song is fucking amazing so yeah i give this song a perfect score it's fucking great <laughs> and just to just to back up to your hatred of purple rains electronic drums <laughs> let's not forget how many years passed by between the electric drum sounds of the early to mid 80s and the early to mid 90s <laughs> oh i mean yes yes no you listen 100 percent. and and i will give i will give prince this he was breaking ground so yes but he's also smart <laughs> enough to let fucking his drummer come in and say, oh, yeah. hey, why don't we put a couple of hits on this fucking thing? All yeah, right, no Dylan, shit, right? <laughs> talk, about, talk about personal Jesus, Dylan. All right, so, I mean, you guys have said a lot about the song already that I just don't want to repeat, uh, but let's talk about the video for a half a second because the video oh, yeah. is absolutely ridiculous. Um, so good. You know, all of them in their cowboy hats and fringe jackets and wandering around the Mesa at the Mexican bordello. It's just like, what am I looking at? I love it's, this video. It's absolutely insane and I love it. Um, yeah. When I watched the video last night, you do see Martin Gore twice during mm. that with the guitar, move mm -hmm. his finger up and go on the fret. So they're saying he's playing the guitar. So, okay. Okay. Whether it's 
I mean, it could have just been for effect for the video. I don't know, no, but no, it's a guitar. I, I, it's a guitar. I could feel yeah, it. So I don't know if he's actually using slide or if he's just moving his finger, but yeah. just so you know, that is shown purposely twice during the video. Cool. Um, the other thing about this song, I mean, this song is bulletproof to me. I'm sorry. You can't say anything bad about it and have no. me actually take it seriously. <laughs> it's just the way it is. Um, so we used to do little shows at Man Ray for different nights and there was a Western theme night. And of course this show, this song popped up because it's the like one of the very few goth industrial songs that has like a Western flair to it. I was going to say nothing like this to <laughs> and, represent. And Dylan, would you like to give a shout Western out to music? Would you like well, to give yeah, a shout so out to I did any a show your... there that night with my friends, Pam and Jean. Okay. And, uh, you know, Jean was probably dressed up like an early vision of Orville Peck or something. And you know, we just had, those were some fun days. So yeah. Gene Dante, a very handsome man. Uh, Gene yeah, he's Darlene. also Gene, Gene Dante in the Future Starlets. He has a current uh, band and they're fantastic. They are fucking amazing. I actually was nice. listening to some of their music the other night on YouTube. And uh, yeah, really good, man. Really, really good. So Cool. Okay. So does that uh, wrap up yeah, this tune? Yeah, I'm done. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So let's, uh, let's just briefly skip by this next one. It's called Halo. <laughs> I'll take it. Uh, this one felt like a filler track. It's fairly straightforward. Not my favorite track by any means. And uh, yeah, that's my opinion on it. Dylan, what do you think of Halo? <laughs> okay, I could not disagree more. I love this song. <laughs> that's why we do the show. Yes, I love this song. Um, okay. It's one of my favorites on the album. I love it. Uh, the Stop lines. It. Stop no, it. I love it. I love it. And it's mostly because of the lyrics. Uh, when our... When our worlds, they fall apart, when the walls come tumbling in, though we may deserve it, it will be worth it. To me, that's saying everything comes crashing down. Something better is going to come along. It's okay. It's not really an end. And I appreciate that. You know me. I'm into, you know, I've got a tattoo of Shiva for a reason. He's a destroyer. He brings things to an end, but there's hmm. something better coming. So to me, okay. this is something that really resonates with me. Um, and the music isn't breaking any new ground. It matches the tone and the feel of the rest of the album. It belongs here. Like you said, I can see why you feel like it's a filler, but I don't feel that way. Um, the video is a fun video. It's got a video that goes with it. It's um, like a roadside circus with clowns and dancing girls. And Dave Gahan is the world's strongest man. And he's all skinny with, you know, it's, it's, it's a little silly, but I think that's kind of the point. And yeah. um, it also has an appearance of Jenna Elfman before she went on to star in Dharma and Greg. So that's a little nice. trivia for you. Um, yeah, I like it. I mean, I know you don't, but I, I like it. Ed, kick this song's ass for me. Uh, unfortunately, Des, oh, I'm no. not gonna. I'm on my own. Uh, no, you're not. You're not. Uh, I definitely feel the main bass tone is super generic. I didn't yeah. like it. it. It just it bugged me the whole time. However, like Delin said, the melody and lyrics I think are great in this song and make up for it. Uh, and then you add in the drums and acoustic piano. I really thought that. I would have liked to, to have heard more of it. I think it would have made the song overall better. But the fact that they're there was a pleasant surprise um, in the bits and pieces that they were. And I thought it it added a nice pop vibe to it, made everything sound a little bit better, better not as monotone or monotonous. Um, and I thought the song was overall good. Ed, 
I have to agree with you on this, and they did it a couple of times on the album. Anytime I heard an acoustic um, yes. instrument, it really piqued my ears. So they did use the piano in this, which I noticed, and I and it was almost like a little relief to my ears to hear it. I loved it. And uh, yeah. I, they are going to use it again, one time going yeah. forward from here. <laughs> uh, it's like a grand piano, and I yeah. loved it. And I was like, why didn't they put this through the whole fucking song? But yeah, yeah. so yeah. I agree with what you said on that one. I mean, I was just having a little fun with the track. But no, I agree. It, it, but like you said, Des, it definitely had, musically, it felt kind of mailed in. It other did. than those few inspirational moments. Yeah, and there, but there were inspirational moments, so I'm glad that you pointed that out. Yeah, yeah. Um, so next tune is called Waiting for the Night. Dylan, what do you think of Waiting for the Night? All right. Uh, so f- I love this one for the fantastic harmonies. Um, it's a soothing song to me. It's slow and it's deliberate. Um, it adds and subtracts different layers as it travels along. It's not breaking a h- huge ground. Um but I am a fan of song that changes up with bridges that are very different from the song or where there's a good volume change. So for this, this works for me because it's dynamic, even though it's a slower song and um, you know, in a, being in a goth club and you hear this song, it's just one of those things. So, you know, again, this is my nostalgia speaking a little bit as well, you know? Well, for, for a non-musician, I have to say that's a nice uh, observation on the key changes. Cause yeah, I agree. Ed, what did you think of this? <laughs> Uh, right out of the gate, I had this Alice in Wonderland vibe. Oh, where dude, I was you like, stole my thunder. Please <laughs> tell me I did not just eat a psychedelic mushroom candy bar because oh, this is going to go down a very bad rabbit hole. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not a huge fan of this song. It gives me an uncomfortable feeling hearing everything at once. Um, so many undertones, which I did like. Especially like, is was that a didgeridoo that I heard in there? Like, going, mm. you know, maybe, <laughs> uh, you know, and the vocal effects I thought were really cool. But like you get to the end and it's like over a minute of music at the end. Uh, and I'm like, what the hell is this? And then all of a sudden there's like a few seconds of this great acapella part. And I'm like, wait, wait, what? what? Yeah. Why didn't you incorporate more of that? Because I probably would have enjoyed the song more. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. And I wrote Alice in Wonderland on this as well. So that is I, that is obviously something that they <laughs> were shooting for. Um, but uh, but I so that are you two are just stoners that got high a lot. <laughs> no, no. Um, so I fucking loved this. I love this track. And I loved it like it, it, it started off like a techno lullaby almost. Um, I thought. I thought musically it was beautiful. Like it really was beautiful. It was so delicate. It was so, oh God, like you said, it made you feel a certain way. Um, yeah, it just, it, it, it really sucked you in. I, I really thought it was great. I thought the lyrics were nice. I thought the key changes like Delin had said were really cool. Um, it had these dramatic like synth accents. Duh that I thought were cool. But I mean, like you said, Ed, it dragged on. Uh, it was a little incohesive. Some of the best parts weren't even part of the song, like the acapella parts at the end that should have been incorporated into the song itself. But for what it was, I got to give it a pass because there was more to like than there was to hate on this one for me. And it really stood out as something different on this album, which I enjoyed. So uh, next track is track six. We're going to get back into some meat and potatoes here. Uh, 
enjoy the silence. Ed, I know you were uh, relieved to hear this one. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I was. It was actually a good change of tempo coming out of the uh, waiting for the night where I was just, I, I, you were waiting it just, for it to end. Waiting yes. for the hit. Waiting for a hit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the song is good flow formula. Uh, I like the the music pattern, then the vocal melody, and then the last vocal note tone uh, that leads perfectly into the break right out of the gate. Mm. And I'm like, ah, oh, you know, that's a real good flow. It made me feel what I think they wanted me to feel. You know, especially where like he he would end everything up vocally. And then right before it goes to that break, he ends on a down note. And I'm like, oh, oh that's so that's a nice, nice flow. Yeah. Um, you know, but again, a completely out of nowhere break for almost two minutes to end the song. That seems to be a pattern moving forward. And, uh, and it's just like, well, what's the point? It, yeah. it, you know, especially where, you know, this was the, the cassette CD crossover. Where if you had a cassette, you'd be like, all right, is this just the end of the cassette? Should I fast forward to the end and flip it? Yeah. Uh, Because I remember so many bands did that at the time with one song on an album where they'd have this huge gap. And then there was this little like 30 second to minute track of music that was untitled, unreferenced, that you kind of had to be patient and listen to all the dead space for. Right. Um, and it just, it didn't pan out. And, and I felt like that's where they were trying to go. And it just didn't work for me. So with this one, I'm going to tip my hat a little bit. I wish that this had been the final track on the album instead of Clean. And I'll tell you why. Because then that little piece of music they left at the end would have worked. Because it almost would have been like uh, one of the listeners that we have that wrote in um, on the Velvet Revolver album said, it would have, Mark Kitchen, I'll give him a shout out. Um, it would have felt like the credits running after a movie. Yeah, would have been point, like, yeah, like a palate cleanser. It would have been nice. And the album would have ended on a strong note. But with that being said, I will give anything on this track a pass. This is a perfect 80s pop song. It's perfect. No. Uh, I love the electronic drums. <laughs> um, I love that they didn't overdo the panning. They showed restraint on this song, which I'm sure was hard to do. Uh, with this album, especially with a hit, they probably wanted to, but they didn't. Showed uh, restraint on that. Um, the lyrics are amazing. The lyric performance is amazing. The arrangement is amazing. Um, but the mistake was they put they put uh, arguably their two best songs back to back at the you know, <laughs> middle middle no day. Well, oh, I mean, this and Policy of Truth. These are like their two best songs. Uh, uh. Um, and I think putting those two together. I mean, there's nine songs on the album. Three of them are bangers. Six of them are fillers. It's a pretty good ratio. I mean, a third of the album is made up of hits. They just made the mistake of not spacing them out correctly and putting these two songs, policy of truth and enjoy the silence back to back was a fucking huge mistake. In my opinion, Dylan, what did you think of uh, this song? All right. So I'm going to agree with Ed out of the gate about the two minutes of, you know, what essentially is filler. I could do without it. And now granted, Ed is right. Back then, bands did this. And I'm not really sure why. Like, sometimes (laughs) it's like, and it's like, I don't know. To me, it's a little like, I'm just ready to get to the next song. Like, I don't, I don't need. And like, 
okay, I get it. Like there was definitely, I mean, like if you listen to Duran Duran seven and the ragged tiger, there is a filler musical track that literally has no words. It's probably about two minutes long. Uh, it's called tiger tiger and it's a beautiful song, but uh, at least it kind of had a little bit of a point. Whereas this is kind of just like going on and on and on. And it's like, it that is such a strong song. End it and get on to the next song because I just don't need this whole thing or make that whole thing. Another song that I can just fast forward over. Like I'm, yeah. I'm sure there's somebody out there that wants to punch me in the throat for that opinion, but <laughs> that, that is my opinion. I'm ready to Not- move on. You know, there's yeah. so many good songs on this album. I don't need this two mi- almost two minutes of just kind of muddling around. Uh, that being said, um, the song itself, this is the song that we were talking about earlier that Martin Gore brought in a very stripped down, almost ballad. And it turned into yep. this. It was, I believe Wilder was the one that was like, hey, let's do this, this, and this, and turned it into what it became. Um, it's super ho- hooky. It's super catchy. The lyrics are amazing. Um, beautiful lyrics, you know, uh, great guitar sound, layered keyboards. And yeah. if you remember the video, it's Dave Gahan dressed like a king, wandering empty landscapes with a folding chair. And it's kind of haunting. You mm. know, it's a king with no subjects. He's no king at all because he's got no subjects. He's just got empty, empty land. Um, also of note, the band is seen standing together at the beginning of the video and one by one they disappear. And strangely enough, it actually mimicked real life because Wilder disappears first and he left the band in 95. Then Fletch disappears and he's the one that passed away recently. And later, of course, you know, Martin disappears and then Dave disappears. Uh, but it's just interesting. I was watching. I was like, wow, that's actually the way they did leave the band. So, um, oh, that's cool. you know, at this point, Gahan and Gore are still in the band, but I just thought that was interesting. Um, yeah. But yeah, I def- I know a lot of people love that end. It's esoteric, it's moody, but I was just really, it, I wanted to just move on to the next song. I was ready to go. Yeah. Cool, cool. All right, track seven. Uh, nice on that um, on that video observation too of how they disappeared. I thought that was uh, pretty cool. Yeah, well, it was haunted. so funny because I'm watching it. I'm like, oh, I was like, wow, that's actually the way they left the band. I was like, that's so weird. So I hope it doesn't mean that Martin Gore is going to die anytime soon. But yeah, it just was interesting. <laughs> let's not let's move. No, don't happen. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to take him on my death pool now. Oh, don't do that. Okay. Okay. Uh, Next song is Policy of Truth. And I'll take this one. So this song is what I think of when I think of Depeche Mode. I mean, this is fucking like really good, tight Depeche Mode. You know, again, from the arrangement, they don't get too funky with a bunch of like crazy shit in this one. They just, they just give it to you between the eyes on this one. Um, I love everything about this song. There's hooks all over this song. Uh, you know, I, I swear on the big three on this album, they could have like taken one hook out of each one of these songs and put it into three of the other songs and had a stronger <laughs> album. That's how many hooks are in this one. It's fucking amazing. Um, you were going to get the amazing spot on harmonies in this one again, which is the charm of all of his good vocals on this album. It's these fucking harmonies, man. It's, it's genius. It's really good. Um, I like the drums on this one and specifically there's a snare hit on this one that is used sparingly in this song, but it stands out. And every time I hear it, I'm like, Oh, that's a great snare. I wish there was a little bit more. Um, and again, that just goes back to what we were saying. Anytime you hear a acoustic, uh, instrument on this album, it's, uh, it's ear candy. So yeah, I, I fucking love this one. 
Uh, the only the only setback is is again it's jammed back to back with um with the other one, and it's just too much money in one spot on this album. So that's kind of what I thought about that. Uh, Dylan. So um, again, like you said, this is one of those songs that when people say Depeche Mode, you think of this song automatically. Um, it's layered. It's deep. Uh, there's a good beat. The hunting gu- guitar appears here and there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the vocals. You know, the lyrics, it's about a song about somebody that only tells what they can without lying, but that's a lie by omission. So that's kind of an interesting um, topic to use for a song. It's not something that you'd normally think of to be used in a song. Um, There's a video for this one. Again, it's grainy footage of the band uh, with a woman. It seems like she's kind of like playing all the members of the band. There's uh, pretty much every video (laughs) from this album is grainy footage. I think that was a 90s thing. Um, Yeah. But yeah, it's a good song. I love it. It's it, there's nothing to dislike for me. You know, I mean, I know that uh, if I was more musically inclined and I was looking to pick it apart, I probably could. No, you but... couldn't. It's great. <laughs> oh wait. Oh, oh, Just oh wait. Okay. okay. But oh, yeah, I, I can't. I can't pick it apart. It's it's okay. it's another one that's uh, you know, it's it's part of my fabric of my being. So I can't. I can't pick it apart. We're gonna get a little evil Ed here. Evil That's Ed, okay. come on, come out. That's Let's why we do the show. Come out. So, so I'm gonna I'm gonna start off with the good. Okay. Uh, it's it's a good groove pattern. The problem is it doesn't go anywhere at all. I think it's just another flat song, uh, and it's mm-hmm. super effects driven uh, with gar- guitar harmonics and such, which were cool. The problem is right out of the gate, this song started, and I went, "Oh my god." Another mid-tempo, same as every song except for two that I did. It, instantly, it triggered me to not pay attention to this song. Wow. Because it sounded like everything else that I've heard that I didn't love. Like, I was looking for more of, you know, Personal Jesus or a song that we're going to get to later on that I liked that is my second favorite song on the album. Oh, and it just, yeah, this, like this, nothing to this point blew me away. And this song made me remember that nothing to this point had blown me away other than personal Jesus. Wow. I, that, I, that's, it's amazing how, you know, perspective changes from person to person because oh, absolutely. I absolutely. just disagree yeah. with everything you said about that song. <laughs> um, and, and I'm going to back that statement up with saying the rest of this album literally just falls off a cliff for me. And that's why it was such a problem that these last two songs are going to back to back when they had the opportunity to put the song. uh, Enjoy the silence at the very end. Yeah. It's just enjoy the silence. I mean, just the title of the song lends itself to ending an album. Album's over. Enjoy the silence. Yeah. I mean, they fucking dropped the ball here. Um, Okay. So let's get to Blue Dress, track number eight on this album. Dylan, tell me why I like this song. I can't. <laughs> okay, good. Go ahead. I'm sorry, I, I can't. Uh, the beginning of the song hits nice and clean, uh, but unlike the rest of the songs, Gahan's vocals get a little muddled for me here. He's I can't mm. hear what he's saying. It just all kind of gets a little muddy. And uh, I enjoy the break. Um, and return to the opening riff, but this is not my favorite. To me, this is the filler on the album. 
Yeah. So that's yep. really all I have to say about it. And I'm sorry because I'm sure there's people that love this song, but it just it doesn't work for me. Yeah, Ed. So I guess you are going to tell us why we like this song. Uh, it, here's 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 a good point. It's a little faster okay. than everything else. So all of a sudden, I'm like, okay, a little change of tempo, even okay. if it's slight change, it gives an overall more upbeat feeling, in my opinion, musically. Um, okay. As the song progresses, the non-electronic instruments really add a nice change to the music because, you know, th- there's there's a real kick and snare sound to this that I think this is another real acoustic drum track, or at least portions of it are. Um, and I think it really adds to me liking it. I think I think I just I I lean more towards the stuff that incorporates the acoustic instruments and and the the standard of this you know of non-electronic music Um, the vocal melody is really good the problem is it's uber depressing um you know it just it was just like uh but uh you know i love the vocal and guitar break on the last line of the chorus i think it just it really worked for me it kind of caught my attention um and that but then again they follow back with that another minute plus of sound effects and music at the end where I'm like, all right, enough of it, enough already. There's too much on this whole overall album that sounds like you could just take the lyrics and put it on this music, take the lyrics, put it on this music. It's, it's, you could, it, it's like you could just cut and paste everything in this song in, yeah. in the whole album, really. Right. Yeah. I mean, I agree with what you just said. Um, and if that's me trying to convince you to like the song, it's not a very good convincing. No, it's not. It's not. Uh, but thank God. But I don't didn't... think it's as as bad as you both think it is. It's just it it it, <laughs> it it. I felt better about this song than a lot of the others. Yeah, the only thing that I liked about this song was that grand piano. Besides yeah. that, it is just so forgettable. It's so boring. It's a filler <laughs> track. I literally have just nothing to say about it. Uh, so track nine is the final track on the album um it's called clean and again i wish they had ended the album with one of the big three um but with that being said the song had interesting lyrics um it had some okay changes but it just did not leave me wanting more like this is not how you end a fucking studio album that you want to sell a follow-up album to I did not like it. Uh, And and I didn't like it mostly just for its spot on the album. Putting it in at number nine was a mistake. If you would put this in somewhere else, I'd been like, I'm fine with it. It's good. You know, song on the album. But the, uh, yeah, the placement was all wrong. Uh, Dylan, clean. Give us something interesting because I have had nothing on the last two. (laughs) All right. Well, um, I find it interesting when you listen to this song closely, uh, listen to the lyrics, uh, knowing that Dave Gahan was going to go on and struggle deeply with addiction later on in life. I mean, almost dying, being thrown in jail, uh, being told he'd go to prison forever if he didn't get his act together. Um, you know, and he did, but it was a terrible journey for him to get there. Uh, the melody is a little flat. I appreciate the driving beat behind it. Um, but that's, I agree. It, it's probably not the best song to end the the whole journey on. Um, there's a video for this one. It's it's a weird video. Again, 
grainy footage. Um, it's basically Gore making out with a girl in front of projected images. Um, hmm. Not an interesting video, really, unfortunately. Um, but it's there if anybody would like to listen to it or watch it. So, yeah, yeah I mean, it, it's not a terrible song. But again, like you said, it's probably not the strongest note to end your entire album on. Yeah, but I, I will agree with you again on this song that the uh, the lyrics stood out to me as being very strong. Uh, it was just the execution of singing them that wasn't anything special that, you know, pulled me out of my chair. Ed, what did you think of the final song on the Violator album, Clean? So I actually think this is the second best song on the album. Okay. Um, and reason being is, I right off the bat, I'm like, oh my god, is that an actual bass? Because uh, that's okay. a really good keyboard sound, if not. And I like the way the, there was a great rhythm to the bass guitar or bass guitar sound. Yeah. And the way they delayed it and bounced it left and right between each speaker, I thought really added a great groove. Mm. And I love the drums in it. You yeah. Know, it's an, it, you know, what again, it just, it, and I think that the fact that it has a solid rhythm behind it is why I like the song is the second best because I just felt like everything was, there was no flow to anything else on, right. you know, other than my your personal Jesus. There. And, and in the lyrics and melody, they're just, they're, I think they're really good. I like the whole meaning behind it. It, it just, I think this song overall just, it's definitely shouldn't have ended the album, but I think, you know, I'll, I would love to, I guess maybe do a dissertation on the song because, <laughs> you know, to try to, to defend it just because I do. I just think it's for what this album has. I do. I would, I'd call this the second best song on the album. Ed, you talked me up a little bit on it because I agree with everything that you said. I think the reason I was down on it mostly was, like I said, his position on the album at number nine, but also yeah, no, I, I uh, can you imagine if they had put a uh, chorus in this, like personal Jesus, something that uh, right. that memorable and hooky that my, my knock on this song would have been that they didn't flush out the chorus properly because I agree with everything you said. The music, but that's the song almost every good. song on this album. Yeah, no, you're right. They're lacking a, a traditional chorus Yeah, and traditional hooks. Right. You know, what, what appealed to me on the album and listening to it and that I enjoyed was the, effects and mm. technology that was on it and the fact that you know i i had basic understanding of electronic music mm -hmm. uh and and i dug where they were trying to go and what they were trying to do i just think they needed to incorporate a little bit of the traditional stuff with what they do mm -hmm. and i think this band would have been a thousand times more popular i completely agree with everything you just said a hundred percent uh, you know, with the Violator album, because I never listened to any other Depeche Mode anything. And this isn't really right. my jam as far as like music goes. Yeah, you know, I had a summer where I just really loved that that first Marilyn Manson album. I mean, it was very good. It was cutting edge, but, you know, I never was big into Nine Inch Nails or any of that stuff. Um, and the fact that this album crosses over from the genre it's in into almost like um, that 80s pop genre, like, you know, you spin me right around. Right, me. yeah. You know, like it has, it has glimpses of that, this album, where 
a, a guy like me that likes rock and roll music can put it on and the big three can carry me through this album to where I could listen to this album on a drive anywhere. So it's not like one of these albums, we review it and then I never revisit it. I will revisit this album probably over and over and over again because it's good. Will I be skipping through some tracks? Of course. Uh, <laughs> but that's why they made the mistake of not going big hit number one, go down track four, big hit number two, go down track nine, big hit number nine on three. And that way there's a chance I'm going to just let the fucking thing play out on a road trip. But, yeah, I mean, I don't think they knew what was going to end up being hit. I don't think you ever really know. Let me finish. But at the same time, <laughs> I totally think that when you think about Enjoy the Silence being the end and it's the end of the album. So now it's yeah. silence. Like, that's a no-brainer to me. It's but a no-brainer. But I don't think Fuck they could have known that personal <laughs> Jesus and I don't think they – policy truth. How would they know? They wouldn't know. Bullshit. No. Just Personal listen Jesus to the album. was written to be the hit of the album. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that was designed. Just listen to for the it. album. It's fucking obvious what the big three are. I mean, one listen in 1989 after they finished it. I'm like, all right, guys, these are your three hits. You need to go back and write some more choruses. Okay, let's move on. Um, <laughs> so we're we're going to go to the um, what favorite track section. So. My favorite track on this album is probably Personal Jesus, but honestly, any of the big three are fine. I think they're all winners. Uh, worst track on the album for me, one I would cut, would probably be Halo, and it's going to beat out Blue Dress just because that one had the nice grand piano on it. Um, so yeah, it's Halo for me. Ed, favorite track, and what track would you cut? Uh, my favorite track was Personal Jesus, okay. just because I thought it was a great combination of traditional instruments with the techno that they were trying to go for and all the electronic. Um, you know, and it, it just, the groove overall is just, I, I love that groove. I yeah. really just, that's one of the few songs that from Depeche Mode that come on that I get excited for. Okay. Uh, just a down, 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 down. It's such a cool thing. Um, yeah. But for me to cut, it's it's world in my eyes. I think it just I don't like the flow of it. I don't like the the effects that I think it just it sounds almost like they recorded it with different technology than they did the rest of the album. Mm, interesting, which is possible because uh, they did record in like five different places. So yeah, that is possible. Um, yeah, and that's that's really the only thing that really just I didn't like about it. It's it's just the the tones weren't good for me. I didn't find them pleasant. Uh, do you guys remember that song uh, Mexican Radio? Sure. Yeah. yeah. So I think Personal Jesus. Now that we've talked it through, kind of reminds me of that song, doesn't it? A little bit. No. Yeah, a little right, bit because it has Mexican it. cowboy flair. Well, no, it's the riff that I yeah. think it's the riff. All right. Well, I, I digress. Delin, <laughs> what is your favorite track on Violator and what track would you cut if you had to? So for me, it's the Sophie's Choice, right? I mean, how do you choose when you love a lot of these songs for different reasons and different mm -hmm. memories are attached to them? Um, but I think if I'm pressed, I'd probably like if somebody was like, you can only listen to one song and that's it. I'd probably pick um, Enjoy the Silence. It's just... Mm. To me, it's it's sweeping. It takes you on a journey, and 
I, I love that song. So I'd have to go that way. And as for the song I'd cut, it's blue dress. I just, I don't like it. Not yeah. for me. I'm with you. And, uh, you know, if it wasn't for the long two minute music at the end, like, cause if, cause in, in this, in this little part of the show, this little segment, you have to listen to the, the whole song. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I so, can live with it. Yeah. So I'd probably take yours as my pick, but if I had to listen to the entire song beginning to end, then it has to be, it, it can't be that. Cause I can't listen to that last two minutes over and over. Okay. Um, so this is where I'm going to blow minds. Okay. If you had to replace one member of the band, who would it be and who would get the gig? So in this band, I wouldn't cut anybody because there's just, you can't, there's nobody to cut. <laughs> I disagree. So, okay. So <laughs> I would actually leave the band as it is, but I would insert, are you ready for this? John Taylor, the bass player from Duran Duran. And I would have him play bass all over this album. The guy is a fucking genius bass player and his licks would, would lend themselves to this album like fucking peanut butter to a jelly sandwich. I mean, it would be fucking money and it would, it would push this album over the top in my mind. Ed, what are your thoughts on this one? So first off, I like where you're trying to go with your pick. The problem <laughs> is adding a bass player without a drummer is useless. Okay. Uh, that makes sense. So sticking with who Depeche Mode are, I would add a pop flair to them while removing someone that, I don't know too much about his involvement. Uh, I don't. I didn't see his name too much on the credits. I would remove Indy uh, Fletcher, yep. and I would replace him with Howard Jones. Um, I'd like to hear a a pop verse, um, um, verse Martin, and 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 hear how they would like. Where would they meet in the middle? Because I think that would make. I think that would take them to the next level as a group. Uh, can you, uh, for our listeners, uh, where might they know that musician from? Oh, Jesus. I Howard Jones? Suck with, yeah. Uh, God, I just saw him in concert, too. <laughs> uh, you know, he was, uh, things can only get better. Yes. That's him. Oh, oh, yeah. Okay, great, great. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, that works. I can see Very that. Very poppy, 80s. What was that, like 85-ish? Yeah. love? Yeah. yeah. What yeah. is love? Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yes, okay. That's him. Sure. Yep. All right. Okay. I could see that. That's fun. Uh, what if we take? What if we put in the bass player from Duran Duran and the drummer for uh, some other band? Let's give him a. Let's well, give him a whole Roger Taylor. If you're at it, yeah. Okay. Exactly. John and Roger. Okay, I think, John I think the rhythm section for Duran Duran would be an excellent <laughs> addition. I think we just made a great band. But at that point. <laughs> Let's put in Simon too and just call this Duran Duran. Okay. <laughs> Dylan, I don't know. I take uh, Nick Rhodes over all everyone in the Peshmo. I mean, amen. I mean, okay. So then if we're going to do that, we have to put Nick Rhodes in on keyboards. All right. So it's and then, and then you've just got Duran Duran. So, okay, so we, we should have just, we should have just reviewed a Duran Duran album today. It's much better. Oh, Dylan, we will be reviewing a Duran Duran album. We will. Definitely. Um, I mean, I've already name checked them once today. Um, so for me, I would remove and uh, Alan Wilder because he was on his way out the door, anyways. Um, okay. And I, it's funny because you go John Taylor, he goes Howard Jones. I'm gonna go Goth, and I would replace him with Robert Smith from The Cure. 
Oh, cool. Oh, that's a yeah. great, great pick. Yeah, because you know, awesome. he plays guitar, he plays keys, he sings. Like, he's basically oh, another yeah. Martin Gore. So you've got two Martin Gores in this band. Just think about I, what uh, they could have made. You know? Yeah, guitar. I think he would have added a, a nice... Uh, he would add all the hooks that this yeah. album's missing, I think. Super hooky. Yeah. Super Good. hooky. The Cura songs Good. are super hooky. Bravo. That's a fucking great pick. You would well, yeah. inserting him, we'd get more guitar, maybe even a left right guitar. Like sound like I'm pretty two sure the players. Cura has real drums in it too. Yes. Yeah. Oh man, can you imagine that? That's that's a great pick. That's also right. another album I'd like to do at some point, one of the Cure albums. Like um sure. uh what's the big one? Disintegration. That's the best yeah. one. Cool. We'll have to do that someday. Uh, all right, so let's do some final thoughts and some Watt scores. Ed, are you set up to uh, take the score and tell us where it's going to land on the vinyl chart? I most certainly am. Oh, great. You're the man. Okay. Uh, so my final thoughts. and oh, You know what, Ed? You go first because I don't want to be a score whore this week. I want to know where you're landing on this. <laughs> I'll be the score whore uh, this week. Okay. You're Ed. not going to like it, I'll tell you that. Well, <laughs> okay. actually, you probably will like it because it's going to redeem uh, – your James, James Addiction, Addiction a album. <laughs> oh, good, good. Okay, go ahead. Uh, yeah, this album just didn't do it for me. Um, you know, Personal Jesus, great song, but everything else I thought sounded way too similar and and not similar in the way albums and songs sound similar. It's that they were all the same tempo with with just the same formulaic patterns. And, and it just, it it... It's not something I would ever put on other than personal Jesus. Um, so unfortunately, my watch score for this is extremely low. Um, and it's 47.85. Okay. That's, you know, that's fine. But it's just me. You know, I'm a pop guy. I need the hooks. I need the big vocals. I need yeah. great melodies and music. Listen, anything to get fucking Jane's Addiction, nothing shocking off the seabed floor is going to work for me, okay? Dylan, give us your final thoughts and your Watt score for okay. Violeta. So, uh, obviously, I've listened to this album before, front to back, many times. Uh, clearly, that means that I enjoy it because I'm not going to put myself through that if I don't enjoy it. It yeah. is one of those albums where I will search it out and listen to it on occasion. Um, I had the CD. It was in my car in the CD case that we all had, that book of CDs. It was in there. Yep. Uh, yep. It was in heavy rotation in my CD player, in my six CD player, if you remember those. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, my score is way higher than Ed's, as oh, to be God. expected. Okay. <laughs> So I don't know if it's going to help your Jane's addiction cause, but I'm giving it a 92.3. Oh, 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 hang on. Oh, I is, am. I am. Is, is one of the band members on the show? I'm feeling a body <laughs> action going on here. What did you say? 92.1? Three. All right. So I was afraid yeah. this was going to happen, which is why I'm going last, because I'm going to correct this problem right now. <laughs> I'm a problem? I'm a problem? No, it's not a problem. And listen, I gave fucking Junkyard uh, like 96.7. Yeah, so fucking so, settle down, kid. Yeah. Well, I mean, Junkyard is almost a perfect album. No. Uh, <laughs> no. It's a good album. It's far from perfect album. Okay, okay. I mean, if you, in fact, if you take probably... my score and Ed's score and add them together, it's only at like a 69. It's not like yeah. it's that high, so relax. Okay. Uh, it's still higher than Jane's Addiction. But, <laughs> oh, good God, no. But I'll tell you what, Desi gave 
what is <laughs> what many people consider a perfect album, a lower score than Junkyard. It Van Halen, it. Van Halen. He gave yeah. a lower score than Junkyard's Junkyard. <laughs> yeah, well. with good reason. Ice uh, Cream Man and Fire are unforgivable. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> Ice Cream Man makes me want to go out and fucking buy a shotgun and end my life. Uh, <laughs> oh, my Jesus. God. Don't you let Tony tomorrow hear you say that. He'll kill you. Loves that okay. song. Okay. All right. So uh, what's your score, Des? Okay. So uh, Violator, uh, classic, well-produced album. Very easy to listen to. Uh, the big three are fucking amazing. Uh, the problem is the other six songs, while being easy to listen to and having creative production, they just are anorexic on the hooks. Uh, there's no choruses. Um, for me, Violator... Ed, what was your score again? Uh, 47.85. 47.85. So like the Price is Right, um, I would like to bid 47.86. <laughs> that's going to be mine so 47.86 watts is what the album is pushing uh, but I do want to say the big three for me those three songs are pushing like 96 watts I mean those three songs are fucking balls out but the rest of the album sinks it so yeah so Ed with those three watt scores what is <laughs> I this? see him laughing already. <laughs> what is Ed? Please hang on. Before I lock that in, is this gonna get is this gonna you can't get change nothing it. shocking? You, you can't change, change it. it. You already said it. No, no. Oh my god, this is fantastic. <laughs> I'm dying here. Okay, Ed, what is this album pushing for Watts? <laughs> this album is pushing. 62.67 watts. Okay, where does that land on the breaking vinyl chart? <laughs> this places it above, just above Velvet Revolver. On no. The band. no. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. Uh, Velvet is Revolver not... is pushing 61.94 watts, and uh, Violator yeah. from Depeche Mode is pushing. Uh, 62.67 watts. And what's above it? Uh, Tina Turner, Private Dancer. It's oh. 72.61 watts. Oh, God. But okay. we're still looking at Jane's Addiction, nothing shocking, <laughs> sitting at the bottom with 55.67 watts. Dude, this this is literally what happened with Neighbors on the, uh, on the Hey, Did You Ever See That Movie podcast. Stop. <laughs> Fortunately, I was able to sandbag Fifth Element below it. Yeah, oh, I told you you sandbagged that. This is a serious score. This is how I feel about this album. You asked me to do this. I told you this is one of my favorite albums. Let's do it. What dude, were you expecting? Me to give it like a 70? Are you out no, of your mind? Dude, I'm fine with your score. That's why we do it. This is about art and it's about perception and that's fine. Yeah, and it was not um, a sandbag on my end. And neither was the Fifth Element as I fucking addressed in last night's episode. So... <laughs> Uh, sure. Okay. Okay. I'm a professional. I call it the way I see it. Um, professional okay. dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so it looks like Dave is probably going to be away um, on personal business again next week. Uh, we can't wait to get him back. And Dylan, you are awesome. And, you know, you're going to be uh, in the third chair um, whenever Dave is out because, you know, 
as I as I I knew you were going to be great because we talk about records all the time together. So I knew you were going to do great, and you really well, you really brought it. You were you were excellent tonight. Yeah, excellent, excellent. Thank you. Um, I'd like to thank the listeners, and of course, my two co-hosts for helping me break the album down. Uh, Ed, can you tell the listeners where they can find us? So you can find us uh, the podcast to listen to on any streaming service that you uh, listen to your podcasts on. Uh, Apple Music, Spotify, etc. Uh, social media wise, you can find us on Instagram at breaking vinyl, uh, breaking underscore vinyl underscore podcast, uh, Twitter at B Vinyl Pod, and on Facebook at Breaking Vinyl Podcast. Awesome. And uh, I want to give a shout out to our growing listenership in Canada, which is, you know, cool. Um, also, uh, Great Britain. Noticing more people listening in those two stay on uh, those two countries. Um, we did pick up another country, Japan. So we've got uh <laughs> listeners in Japan now. I'd Ooh. like to say uh or origato, no, konnichiwa. Oh, konnichiwa. Okay, <laughs> good enough. Um, and <laughs> so next week, um, I believe Dylan, can you join the show again? Uh, yeah, probably. I okay. can't see why not. Okay, and uh, we are gonna do David Bowie's Let's dance and this is definitely not going to get jane's addiction out of the cellar because this album is Mm -mm. fucking like i Um, will be sucking cock and ball licking for the entire (laughs) (laughs) oh look at that david bowie shirt on nice nice i love it yeah there's no way that that's gonna get you out of the cellar it's it's gonna be up there no, okay. this, I love this album. This is yeah, great. oh man, the rhythm sections, the bass, yeah. the drums, just everything. Just yep. the outfits, the videos, David Bowie. Everything. Um, if you like movies, please check out our sister podcast. Hey, did you ever see that movie? You can find it anywhere quality podcasts are found. And until next time, take those records out of the sleeve and let the music breathe. See you later. Bye, Bye everybody. <laughs>